How can you train your team in functional programming on the cheap? By the end of this video, you'll have a list of ways that you can go find resources for teaching without paying a trainer a huge amount of money. My name is Eric Normand, and I help people thrive, people and companies thrive with functional programming. So I want to tell a little story just to motivate this. Uh, I was contacted by someone who wanted their team. Is it was, it was, he was kind of a, you know, manager of a programming team, and he wanted to bring closure into the enterprise. Now this was not a plan from higher up. It was his plan, and he thought a good way would be to bring in a trainer. He thought of me. Because I do training, I'll you know do remote on-site training, and um, this was not a local company. This was a company uh, kind of far from where I live, uh, same continent but different country. Um, anyway, I he contacted me and we started talking about it, and uh, we eventually brought in the manager who was the one who, to make the decision to whether to spend the money. And we talked. I figured out as best I could his needs. Um, and it was kind of clear that the manager did not have a pressing need to learn closure. You know, they, they didn't have some kind of plan to move to closure. It was much more like, oh, well, closure might help us you know, make better software. So it's kind of a risk because they're not sure if it will. And they were doing fine already. They already had programmers proficient in other languages. Not the clearest need, right? That was a bad sign. Um, so because it was, you know, such a nebulous need, I was not very hopeful for it. Um, I sent them a proposal anyway. Uh, and my price, I'll just lay out the price that I sent them. It's $25,000 for five days of training. And uh, they came back and said, nope, it's too much. I was not surprised. Um, usually when someone has a, a business need, like say, we're going to make $10 million if we just learn closure. <laughs> so let's just spend money to learn closure and then we can use it to make, you know, this other money. So if they're going to make $10 million, a $25,000 fee to speed up the process does not seem too expensive. But if you're just kind of like, Oh, maybe closure will help us. Or my, my senior programmer really likes closure and he's convincing me, but I'm not, $25,000 convinced. Anyway, um, they did not wind up, uh, you know, using my services. Uh, but I had a bunch of recommendations for them, which I'm going to share for you with you today. Not everybody's ready. Not every company is ready to just jump in and start spending money on functional programming. Um, and so that doesn't mean that functional programming can't work for you. It just means you can't go for the premium options. Okay. So I've got a list of actually six things that we can do for helping you cheaply learn functional programming, teach functional programming to your team. 
uh, and I'm they're kind of like the most expensive to the least expensive. Um, all right. So the first thing is hire local people. Um, you know, when you do a search, you're going to get people like me who are out there like talking and blogging and podcasting and, and all those things. Uh, I am very vocal and I'm, you know, because of that, I'm the most internet famous of the, you know, I come up, near the top, etc. Uh, I'm not the most, but you know what I'm saying? I'm I'm up there. And so I could also just by you know, people hear me talk, they're like, "Oh, that, I could imagine that guy coming and teaching us some closure." Uh but I come from far away. And it's much cheaper to hire a local person. Look at all these costs that I built into that $25,000. So when I do a training, I try to build in all the costs. So, you know, a lot of people will say, well, it's this much money plus expenses. I don't put the expenses separate. I put it all in the, um, in the one number. So it, it should be an easy calculation. Is that too much or too little? right? Or, or enough, you know, is that just right? Or is it too much? Um, so I had to pay for a plane hotel or Airbnb, maybe, uh, a car sometimes. Um, even if there's no car, there's often travel to and from the airport. You know, it's not, it's, it's not free. Um, and then food, food while you're traveling is way more expensive. Uh, if I were to do a local gig, I wouldn't even think of food as an expense. I mean, maybe I would spend $10 for lunch and I just wouldn't even include that. But when I have to go to, um, either the supermarket cause I'm, you know, trying to be thrifty or I go to a restaurant to feed myself while I'm away from home, it's a different story, right? It starts to add up. If I'm there for five days, that's 15 meals. It's a lot. Okay. And then there's some other things like I'll be away from work. I'll be away from my office, my studio. So even if, you know, I'm not working 24 hours a day, uh, I can't, there's some things I can't do. So there's an opportunity cost there. So I have to build that in. Um, and then also time away from family. Like I, I know that like professionally, like I shouldn't bring that up. Right. I shouldn't say like, well, you know, I'm going to miss my daughter's birthday or whatever. So it's going to be more expensive. But that's that's in there when I think about the price. Like if I have to fly away for a week and be away from my family, I'm going to increase the price compared to being local where I can just drive home at the end of the day um, as a. I, I do not talk about that when I put it, that in the price, but it's, it's real, right? I have to make it worth my time worth though. So when I'm away for five days, right, I usually have to get there the Sunday before and I leave early Saturday morning or late Friday night, right? So I'm gone for approximately six times 24 hours right? So it's a whole range of time where I'm not seeing my family. Um, it's 
harder on my family because they have to pick up the slack of like taking kids to school, doing the housework, all that stuff, right? It's all opportunity costs that have to factor in, okay? So the way I, I'm not going to talk about how I do it, but it's, it's too much detail. But um, that was my price, $25,000 for five days of training. If you look at it as a day rate, $5,000 a day, like I could easily see someone saying, no, that's too much. I think that it was, it was still a bargain because if you're teaching, if you're teaching 10 people and it's $500 a day per person, it's not that much, right? Anyway, um, so, so I, I just wanted to talk about all the fees that have to be, everything that has to, the expenses that have to be built into those fees, um, hire local people they are going to be much more willing. They're not gonna pad their prices with plane, food, travel. It's, they're not, it's just gonna be much easier. Um, they might not be as famous, right? Because they're, they're just not working on that part of it, but they could be really good, right? And they might, that might make the difference in price, right? Like, well, he's one-tenth the price, you know, it, if he's half as good, you know, we've already saved a lot, right? Okay. Uh, so number two, host a free closure workshop free, meaning you invite people from the community to learn at your offices. You also invite your employees, right? Maybe they even get priority, but let's say you have 10 employees. You make the space available for 30 people. So you have 20 people from the community, 10 of your employees, and you get trainers who are also from the local community. And now because it's free, the people who are uh, volunteering to teach, they're volunteering. You don't have to pay them in the same way. Now you might want to provide lunch and breakfast and coffee and stuff like that, but that's going to be way cheaper than, um, than paying the, the individuals. It becomes a community thing so that people will want to participate for free. Okay. Um, I think that this would be a great way to get closure into your team. Now the thing is, it's probably gonna have to be on the weekend. You know, you don't want to, um, to block the, uh, you know, normal day of work. Um, and then most people aren't available except on the weekend. So there's constraints to it, right? You probably can't do a whole week of that. Uh, but you could do a weekend every month for three or four months and you, you get a lot of the benefit from it. Um, and you make it part of the community. That's another thing. It's like a community service. So you're killing, killing two birds with one stone. Okay. Number three, you might want to host the closure meetup, right? So here's the thing. If closure, if the closure meetup, let's say it starts at six o'clock, maybe seven o'clock is better. So work lets out at five starts at seven. You encourage the people in your company to stick around, right? You give them uh, dinner, maybe some drinks, stick around tonight stay for the closure meetup. There's going to be a presentation, learn some closure, right? All right. Um, now you could have a partnership with the meetup, uh, that there could be multiple 
uh, venues for the meetup and you're just one. So if it's a monthly meetup, maybe you have, and you have two companies that are going to trade off that reduces the burden on you. The people who are in your company will, um, be able to, uh, go to the other one and benefit that way. And they, they might like, you know, they make friendships and stuff. And so they're going to want to, uh, go to the other one. Uh, all right. Uh, next number four, pay for a lunch and learn. So this, this goes hand in hand with creating a culture of learning in general, which is, I guess, a good thing. I would think it's a good thing at your company that, uh, learning is valued. Uh, you as you know, the person controlling money, you could say, Hey, once a week, let's say it's Friday, Friday, uh, lunch, uh, we are going to discuss a closure or a Haskell or a functional JavaScript topic. Okay. And you assign someone that topic to research and they're going to present it. And guess what? We're going to pay for lunch. So you don't have to go out on Friday. You don't have to go find your lunch. We're going to pay for it. Make it a nice, healthy, nutritious lunch. Uh, not pizza, please. Uh, and, uh, just pay for the lunch. They're going to stick around. They're going to talk. They're going to learn something new. And over time, you'll find that they, they learn a ton of stuff. Um, one person is going to become a little bit more expert than one who's teaching, but they're there at the company. They still work there. So that knowledge will be at the company and they'll be able to share it over time, but people will know they have it. So they'll know who to ask. It's a, it's a good thing. And I guess what I'm trying to say is it doesn't have to be something like, boom, five days, uh, totally inject closure or Haskell into my team and make them experts all at once. You know, it's, it's something that should grow over time. And, um, well, let, let's just talk about the next one. So this, this one is kind of the first one that I'm talking about. That's sort of making it an environment for learning. Learning happens over time. It happens because of choices we make and the choices we make are often determined or at least influenced by our environment. So if we make the environment richer with functional programming materials and ideas, then we will learn more naturally. Uh, so get some books, put some functional programming books up around the, around the place, figure out the good ones for the language that you're interested in. If it's functional JavaScript, there are some really good books, have a couple of copies of each, um, make sure that they're visible so that people like look at them and think, Hmm, maybe I should pull that book down and, and read a chapter, right? Encourage people to read at work. I mean, this is another thing where I know it looks like when you're in a book at work, it looks like you're not working, but if I'm reading a blog post, it looks like I'm working. Right. And the thing is the book is probably a much better resource than the blog post. Uh, so I, that's another thing about environment. Just make sure in culture, make sure people know that it's okay to read a technical book at work and increase their knowledge. Uh, all right. So besides books, um, I, I have skin in the game of, of producing materials. I make closure videos and I have a, membership where you, you pay 
monthly or yearly, and you get access to over 80 hours of closure videos. Um, it's at purelyfunctional.tv. And there's a real benefit for getting something like a team plan where everyone on the team has access to the same materials. You're going to find that people can start referring to them. They're going to have a common vocabulary. They're going to be able to link to them in the Slack and know that uh, the other people have access and can read it. They can they can just share those ideas a lot better than if everyone's just kind of reading random stuff online. They're going to have their, they're going to start to diverge in their opinions. Blog posts are good. There's plenty of good free resources. Um, I'm just of the opinion is why I, I, um, do it the way I do. Uh, I'm of the opinion that when someone can focus on it and get paid to do it, it's going to be better quality. Um, so check out Purely Functional TV if you're uh, interested in closure training. Um, one last thing, this would be number seven. Uh, there's a lot of community-run, like wiki-style documentation sites for you know tutorials and and functional programming stuff encourage your team to contribute to those it's free to do it helps the community and it helps you learn you know you know you might say well i don't know how to do this thing how can i write about it well you're the perfect person because you can learn now and then boom encode it into a document that now people can use for a long time. Uh, even your team can reuse it, right? So I think those community efforts can pay back uh, instantly when, when, you, when you work it the right way. Okay, so that was seven different things. Uh, I'm gonna recap now uh, the, the top three tips that kind of go over all seven. Use local resources, they're cheaper. They're just cheaper. You can probably barter a little bit too. Um, tie it to the community. That encourages people to be a, more generous. Uh, if you're running a free workshop, the volunteers will be free. Uh, you just, you know, they'll they'll give you a Saturday uh, just just to help out the community, to help people out. Uh, they've probably been. You know, when they were learning, they learned from free resources, so they're paying it forward. Uh, encourage them with, encourage them. Yes, help them out. Uh, they're doing this for free. Give them coffee, give them food, um, etc. cetera. Uh, finally, set up the environment. That doesn't have to be expensive. For a few hundred dollars, you can have, let's say it's like $30 a book. For $300, you can have 10 awesome functional programming books on your shelf if you got Prime, Amazon Prime, in like two days, okay? So there's no reason that you couldn't get something like that approved. $300, the best books on the topic, why not? Uh, all right, so I'll just go over the seven uh, real quick. So hire local trainers, host a free closure workshop, host closure meetup, Pay for a lunch and learn. That's a regular thing, like once a week. Uh, get some books and then look into other training material 
and then encourage your team to learn and share back to the community with either a blog or other kind of community documentation sites. All right, here's a challenge. This is, this is a challenge that will help you find a meetup in your area and ask them for help. Ask them, hey, who can we hire for training? You know, pick one of these seven things. Hey, do you need a place to host a closure workshop? Go there. Ask the people, right? Even if, it, if you don't go, you can contact the organizer on meetup.com. Um, check it out. All right. Now do me a favor, please. If you like this, if you appreciated this content, if you found it valuable, I also always appreciate likes, plus ones, thumbs ups, hearts, favorites, uh, retweets, reshares, uh, upvotes, whatever, whatever is in your uh, social media app of choice. Uh, please comment and of course, please subscribe so you can get all of these nice episodes. If you want to get in touch with me, if you have a question, if you have a suggestion, uh, I love to uh, get discussions. If you if you um, email me, I'll often incorporate it into the next episode that I record because I love answering questions like that sharing good questions, email me at eric at lispcast.com. I'm Eric Normand on Twitter. Don't forget the D and search for me on LinkedIn. That's Eric Normand. Thank you so much. And I'll see you next time.